Glad that you guys are back. This is the third week of our current series, and the title of the series is called Real Mature. The goal of the entire series that we are in is that we would all achieve greater levels of maturity in our lives by growing in our faith. Now, faith is so important. It's really what we're talking about throughout this entire series because from the very beginning of time, you see that the relationship between God and man, it was broken because trust was broken. At the very beginning of time, God had created Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden, and their relationship was damaged, not just because of something that they did, but because of a lack of faith that they had. You see, they didn't believe what God had said about the tree that was in the middle of the garden. They thought that somehow God was holding out on them and keeping them from experiencing something good or maybe even trying to keep them in their place so that they didn't become fully like God. And so because they were suspicious of God, what you really see is that the relationship between God and man was broken because trust was broken. And from that moment in time until this moment in time, God has always been working to rebuild the relationship by asking people to believe or to have faith in Him. In fact, the whole reason that the band played the last song that they did is because that really is the message or the theme of that entire song. What did it say about the nation of Israel? See, when you think back to the nation of Israel, God did not start a relationship with Israel by giving them a list of rules or by giving them the Ten Commandments and saying, here, if we're going to have a relationship, you've got to keep all these rules. That's not how it started. It started by God stepping into their Egypt, to use the words of that song. And he stepped into their Egypt to lead them out of slavery because he wanted them to believe that he loved them. He wanted them to believe that he was a God who wanted good things for them. And after many years of a relationship together, then God introduces the Ten Commandments and says, Hey, because I love you, because I care about you, I want to help you with some other areas of your life, not just get you out of slavery in Egypt. And if the people would trust him and believe him, then they would follow the commandments that he had given to them. You skip over into the New Testament, and the same thing happens. Jesus does not show up in the manger scene, baby Jesus holding two stone tablets. You've never seen that manger scene, right? Because Jesus didn't come into the world saying, hey, I got a bunch of rules that I want you to follow. When Jesus came into the world, he wanted the same thing that God wanted in the Old Testament. He wanted people to trust him. He wanted people to believe in him. And after a relationship was formed based on trust, like every relationship that you have should be based on trust, after that relationship gets started, then Jesus says, hey, I've got a couple of basic commandments that I think would really serve you well in life. Just try this. Love God and love your neighbor. You do those things, you're probably going to do pretty well in life. But it started with a desire that Jesus had for people just to love him and for people to trust him. And listen, the same is true in your life. Jesus came into the world, and Jesus invites you into relationship simply by trusting him. Before you ever committed a sin, before you ever broke any of the commandments, God declared his love for you by sending Jesus into the world to die for you, no strings attached. All it takes is faith. 
Because more than anything else, Jesus wants you to have a strong faith in him. But in order to have this kind of mature faith that we've been talking about over the course of this series, all of us need to be really, really intentional to grow our faith. Listen, I said it in week one. I'll say it again. Like physical growth, it happens very naturally. But growing in your faith requires you to be very, very intentional. And so this series, what we're doing is we're highlighting the five ways that our faith grows so that we can be intentional to grow our faith, to grow the most important part of our relationship with Jesus. So in week one, we talked about private spiritual disciplines. We said the good news is that your faith doesn't just grow on Sunday. It could grow any day. All you got to do is find some private time to spend some time alone with Jesus, reading about him, learning about him so that your faith will grow in him. You can use the loop. You can crack open the Bible for yourself. You can figure it out however you want to do it. But there is something of great value when you spend some time privately alone in the scriptures and in prayer with your heavenly father in week two of the series we talked about personal ministry we said that week that ministry is yes something jesus did but it's something that jesus asked every one of his followers to do to, to use some of your time to use some of your life some of your experiences maybe even some of your money to serve other people because you're never more like jesus than when you're serving others. And so we said that week that personal ministry is something where God does something great through you, but even more than that, he does something great in you. A lot of ways that God grows your faith when you become involved in personal ministry. This week, I want to move on to the third one, and it's called pivotal circumstances. And so I want to set it up like this. Um, how many of you last weekend, you saw the playoff game between the Saints and the Bears? Let me see your hands. Wow, we've got a, a Saints fan over in the crowd wearing a Saints jersey, by the way. That's amazing. And, and so you saw the game, some of you, apparently half of you are either not awake in the message yet or you, uh, you didn't see the game. Let me tell you about that game last week. Um, last weekend, they were playing the Bears. They ended up getting the W. They won the game 21-9, to okay? Uh, Saints were in control most of the game, but it was still one of those games where just a few possessions— could have changed the outcome of the entire game, okay? First quarter, the Bears had the ball, and they ran a trick play. In fact, we're going to throw it up on the side screens so that you can see this play. It's kind of a, a flea flicker-like play. Believe it or not, the quarterback is at the bottom of the screen. They pitch it back to him. He's on the 50. He throws a bomb, and it goes right through the dude's hands. All the Saints fans say, who dat, and clap because we're really excited that he dropped that ball, because if he had caught that ball, the Chicago Bears are now one defensive stop away, or they are one touchdown away from changing the outcome of the entire game. And in almost every big game that you watch, when it proves to be a fairly close game, like most big games are, you'll realize that in every one of those games, it's just a few pivotal circumstances that ends up changing the outcome of the entire game. And listen, the same is true in your life and the same is true in your faith. When it comes to your faith, there are a few events over the course of your entire life that will likely determine the final outcome of your faith. 
over your whole life, just, just a few events that will happen to you that will ultimately determine the final outcome of what your faith looks like in the end. And we call these things pivotal circumstances. Now, it's really important that you understand this about pivotal circumstances. The circumstances that shape your faith, they could be positive circumstances, but they could also be negative circumstances that happen in your life. Okay? We know that God does use, he has the ability to use both the good and the bad in your life to ultimately shape the outcome of your faith. Like, like there are great things that happen in your life. And those great things, they could actually deepen your faith in God. But those great things could also damage your faith in God. The same is true of tragic events. There will be tragic events that happen over the course of your life. And those tragic events, they could deepen your faith in God. But they could also damage your faith in God. I want to give you a few examples. Some of you, you have had to suffer through the unimaginable tragedy of watching one of your children die. And for you, you look back on what is clearly a pivotal circumstance in your life. It, it was a game changer for you. You knew that when it happened, my life is never going to be the same again. But for some of you, that event actually deepened your faith in God. When that happened, you said to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to get through this without God in my life. But for others of you, you experienced the exact same event. But it didn't deepen your faith in God. It absolutely destroyed your faith in God. And when that happened to you, you said, if there's a good God out there, then why on earth did he allow this to happen in my life? And what deepened one person's faith actually destroyed your faith. For others of you, you had to discover the terrible news that your spouse had cheated on you. And when you made that discovery, when you found out what they did, some of you, it actually deepened your faith in God. Because in that moment, you sat there and you thought to yourself, you know what, I don't have anyone in this world that I can trust. I mean, I thought that I could trust that person. I thought that person would always be loyal to me and would always be there for me. And you looked up into the heavens and said, God, you are the only one in the cosmos that I can ever trust again. And it was one of those things that actually deepened your faith in God. Others of you, that event actually destroyed your faith in God. For some of you, you became single again. God got put on the back burner. You started living like you were 19 again. And your faith in God really did wither because of that pivotal circumstance in your life. For some of you, you think back to summer camp. Like, like summer camp was one of those defining moments in your life as a teenager, and it did things for your faith in God that you have never experienced before or since. It was incredible. For others of you, your faith got destroyed because of an event in your life. It was called COVID-19. You skipped church for six months, and you woke up one day, and you said, man, what on earth has happened to my faith? 
For some of you, you may have lost a job or you may have gotten a job. You may have experienced bankruptcy. You, you may have been in a place where you got a big inheritance. But here's what we know about life-changing events. When you have a life-changing event in your life, it will affect your faith for better or for worse. In fact, today I want to show you a story in the Gospels of a couple of women who have a brother named Lazarus who is on his deathbed. And these two women are going to experience what we would call a pivotal circumstance in their life. In fact, th this is one of those things, one of those moments in their life that could actually deepen their faith in God or it has the potential to damage or even destroy their faith in God. Their brother Lazarus gets deathly ill Jesus is out of town, and he's traveling when this happens. And so Jesus is out there doing ministry. He's teaching the masses. He's training his followers. He's healing people who are sick. He's doing all kinds of things to care for people's needs. And his friend, Jesus was friends with this man. His friend Lazarus gets gravely ill. And this is what the text tells us in John chapter 11, verse 3. It says, So the sisters, Mary and Martha... They sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I want you to drop into verses 5 and 6, and I want you to see how Jesus responds. It's very interesting. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, which would have been Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think to myself, that makes absolutely no sense at all. Like if Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick, that the people that he loves, Mary and Martha, are, are in a terrible spot in their life, they're grieving over what is happening to their brother, then you would think that if he loved them, if he knew they were having a hard time and that Lazarus was on his deathbed, that Jesus would immediately come to at a minimum be with them and maybe even do something for them. But he doesn't. Instead, Jesus chooses to stay where he was for two more days. And it's because, and I really want you to get this, Jesus wants to make their life better. But even more than that, Jesus wants to make their faith stronger. I'm going to say it again, and this time I'm going to try to personalize it for you. Yes, Jesus wants to make your life better. But even more than that, Jesus wants to make your faith stronger. Because believe it or not, your faith is actually more important than your happiness. And so Jesus is going to go to work in this situation and a lot of times you'll look at events in your life, you'll look at circumstances in your life, and you'll be sitting there going, I don't understand him. Why is he doing what he's doing? And it's because you want him to make you happy. And he's going, look, I, I do care about making your life better. But even more than that, I care about making your faith stronger. And so Jesus is going to do some things. In fact, there have been things that have happened in your life. There will be things that will happen in your life. And you are going to be left wondering, why doesn't Jesus do something? You're going to be left asking yourself the question, why didn't he stop that? 
You're going to sit there some days and you're going to ask yourself the question, did I do something wrong? Is, is Jesus punishing me? Is he mad at me? Does he not love me? Does he not listen to me? Does he not care about me? And you're going to be frustrated with him. And in those moments, I need you to come back and I need you to remember that, yes, he wants to make your life better. But even more than that, he wants to make your faith stronger. I want you to look at how he acts in verses 11 to 15, because what Jesus is going to do, he's going to do something that's going to be harder on their life, but it's going to be much greater for their faith. It's going to stink in the short term, but in the long haul, it's going to be a very sweet thing that they experience. Look at verses 11 to 15. It says, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, talking to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, I want you to watch this. Lazarus is dead. And then Jesus said this, And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him now now i want you to see what jesus is doing jesus is not just leveraging an event okay watch this jesus is actually creating an event that he knows will deepen their faith in him now jesus doesn't always do this okay sometimes jesus just allows things to happen but sometimes Jesus actually causes things to happen. And so in this story, Jesus says, i got to do something intentional here. And so he hears that Lazarus is sick, but then he chooses to stay where he is for two more days. And the reason that he does that is because if he gets there too early, Lazarus is going to be alive. And because Jesus loved Lazarus, what would he have done? He would have healed Lazarus. Lazarus. He, he would have made him better. But let me tell you something. Everyone, when they looked at Jesus, they already believed that he had the power to heal the sick. They had already seen it happen. They had already heard the stories of Jesus healing the man who was blind. They had already seen how Jesus had healed the Roman centurion servant who was paralyzed. They had already heard the stories of Jesus traveling and healing all kinds of people. But at this point in his ministry, I don't think Jesus had ever raised someone from the dead. And so Jesus, again, he's not just leveraging this moment. He is actually creating a moment to grow their faith. And what's going to happen is these people are going to go from believing that Jesus has the ability to heal to actually knowing that Jesus has the power to raise someone from the dead. He is going to go from being called healer to they're now going to start calling him the resurrection and the life because their faith in him is getting ready to grow exponentially. And I want you to know something. This story and what is happening to Lazarus, what is happening to Mary and to Martha, it's not even about them. It's about everyone else. See, it's not just about Lazarus, and it's not just about Mary. It's not just about Martha. What did he say to his disciples? 
He said, I'm going there, and I'm going to wake him up, but I am glad that I wasn't there for your sake. Because I want you, the 12, to believe something about me that you have never believed about me before. And so Jesus is saying, this isn't just about Lazarus. This isn't just about the sisters. This isn't just about the 12. This is about people throughout the history of the world. This is about people throughout the history of the church. This is about you and me. This is about whether or not we believe Jesus has the ability to raise people from the dead. It's about whether or not you believe that he has the ability to raise you from the dead. And so because of this story, in John chapter 11, you read it and you go, okay, I've got to rethink circumstances in my life in a whole new way. Like Jesus is doing something here that we would not expect him to do, but he had a very good reason. Jesus isn't just working to make their lives better. Jesus is working to make their faith stronger. And and what you will find, if you talk to people about their faith journey, you will hear people say all the time that the worst thing that ever happened in their life, it actually turned out to be the greatest thing that ever happened to their faith. You'll hear people who talk about the worst things that ever happened in their life, and they'll say, man, I I would never want to go through it. I don't ever want to experience something like that again. But because of what I went through, I started to have a kind of faith in God that I had never had before. I know that was true of my parents' divorce. I absolutely hated that my parents got divorced at the age of 12, when I was 12 years old. But I look back on that event and I go, while I wish it had never happened, God rattled my cage as a young man at the age of 12 years old. And he caused me to pursue a relationship with God in a way that I had never pursued it before. And a lot of you right now, you're not even having to think about it more than a second. You can think back to a pivotal circumstance in your life and you can see how that event, it affected your faith for better or for worse. Why? Because the worst things that ever happen in our life, they often are the greatest things that ever happen to our faith. And so for some of you, you look back and you go, yeah, that was a tragedy in my life, but it did something great for my faith. But listen, others of you say it was tragic in my life, and it was also tragic and devastating to my faith. I want you to know something, if that's you today. It is not too late for God to finish writing that chapter in your life. In fact, I believe that that's why he brought you here today. Because he wants you to see that event in your life in a whole new way. You see, the thing that will determine if an event deepens your faith or if the event destroys your faith is all about how you interpret it. It's all about how you see that event and how you interpret it. Why else is it that some people can go through a divorce and it strengthens and it deepens their faith? Other people go through a divorce and it destroys their faith. Why is it that some people can lose a loved one and it deepens their faith and other people lose a loved one in very similar circumstances, but it destroys their faith? It's because it all hinges on how you interpret the event. I want you to look at how Lazarus' family is interpreting this event. Now, before I read it, I want to ask you, here they are, 
Our brother is sick. We send word to Jesus. Jesus doesn't come. Our brother dies. Does this cause them to believe good things about Jesus? Or do you think it causes them to believe bad things about Jesus? Verses 17 to 21. On hearing, on on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So listen, Jesus, you didn't barely miss it. Like, you really missed it. Like, we had the funeral. He's been in the tomb for four days now. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's Martha. I want you to jump over into verse 32, and I want you to see what Mary says when she goes to confront Jesus. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I don't know if they're mad at Jesus, if they're confused, if they're stating the facts. I don't know if they are outright angry at Jesus for not showing up. But I do know this. When these two ladies saw Jesus, they both confronted Jesus and they said the exact same thing. They both said, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. They said the same thing because they saw it in the same way. Now let me tell you something. The people that you process with, they will determine how you interpret the pivotal circumstances in your life. And this is why you better be really, really careful about who you're running with when you experience a major change in your life. You better be really careful who you listen to. You better be really careful who you give access to. You better be really careful who you are allowing to speak into your life because what they say will probably determine how you interpret the entire event. And so let me say this. You need to talk to someone. But even more than that, you need to talk to the right people. And this is why we offer things like grief share. This is why we offer things like divorce care. This is why we offer things like recovery ministry. Because you need to be in a room, not just with people, you need to be processing those events with the right kinds of people because what they say will probably determine whether you turn to Jesus or whether you turn your back on Jesus and walk away from him for the rest of your life. See, these two ladies, Mary and Martha, are processing with each other. But let me tell you, they've got other people who are in their ear. And because they're in their ear, they're in their head. And they're shaping the way they think about Jesus. Look down in verse 37 at the kinds of things the other people who had come to grieve with them were saying. It says, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying. So what are they saying? They're accusing Jesus of doing something wrong. They're acting as though Jesus had let everybody down. 
or that Jesus had made a mess of an entire situation. And if that's who you're listening to, you are far more likely to turn against Jesus than you are to turn to Jesus in the middle of these pivotal circumstances of your life. In fact, for some of you, that happened. You went through something that you knew was going to be a life-changing event. And you allowed the wrong people to speak into your life. And because of what they said, it shaped how you saw the event. But not just how you saw the event, it affected how you saw Jesus. And you ended up turning away from Jesus rather than turning to Jesus. But remember, Jesus created this event because he wanted to deepen their faith, not destroy it. I want you to look at what happened in verses 39 to 44. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, he's concerned about their faith, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. What's Jesus concerned about? He's not concerned about what's happening in the world. He's concerned about what people believe about God and about his son, Jesus. And Jesus wanted everyone to believe that the heavenly father had sent the son of God into the world. And so he said, I'm saying all of this. I'm doing all of this so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I don't know what happened after that. But I do know that that day, everyone's faith in Jesus, it grew by leaps and by bounds. They walked away that day saying, he is not just a healer. He is the resurrection and the life. He doesn't just have the power to make sick people well. He has the power to raise people from the dead. We serve a God in Jesus Christ who can raise dead people to life again. And so let me ask you, you can clap for Jesus. He's that awesome. But I want you to think back about the pivotal circumstances in your life. When you think about the death that you experience of a loved one. When you think about the rape that happened in your life. When you think about bankruptcy that you experienced. When you think about betrayal of a spouse. When you think about the diagnosis of one of your kids, whatever happened to you, did it cause you to turn to Jesus or did it cause you to turn 
away from Jesus? Did you start questioning your faith or maybe even walk away from your faith? If so, I want you to know that Jesus did not want that event to destroy your faith. He wanted it to deepen your faith. And so today, I want to invite you to turn back to Jesus. For some of you, I want you to turn to Jesus for the very first time in your life and believe that, yes, he wants to make your life better, but he wants to make your faith stronger so that whatever happens in this life, you can continue to believe things about the Heavenly Father and about the Son of God that are absolutely true. And so maybe today is a day where you just need to turn back to Jesus or you need to turn to Jesus for the very first time because those events did not just affect your life. They affected your faith in a profound, profound way. If that's you, I want you to let us know about what's going on in your life. What's going to happen is the band's going to come out and they're going to close with a song. And the song that they're going to sing is a song we sang earlier. It's just a portion of that song. It's called Do It Again. And the reason that we want to end with this song is because I believe that this song talks about tragic events in your life and how God shows up to bring great things out of awful tragedies. And so this is one of those songs where we just want to say, you know what, God, do it again. Bring a great thing out of an awful event or circumstance in our lives. And so we want to grow your faith by listening to this song and reflecting it. And then after this song is over, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back out and I'm going to share a couple of things with you that I think are next steps that all of us should be taking as we think about growing our faith through this thing called pivotal circumstances. So let's stand, let's sing with the band, and then I'll come out in just a moment to help us wrap up today. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for what you are teaching us today. God, I want to pray for everybody in the room and for everyone who's watching online right now because I know that today they are being forced to deal with some really heavy things. I I know none of us want to go back and revisit the most painful moments of our lives. But God, I believe that some of us need to think about those events in new ways, that we need to see it in a new light so that we would turn to you rather than turning away from you. And so God, I just pray that today your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts and our souls. I pray, God, that we would be willing to revisit conversations and engage in conversations about difficult circumstances so that our faith in you could grow through it all. And I ask-